0: Well, tonight I want to talk to you about finding joy in your work. You know, most people spend forty to sixty hours somewhere along in there uh, a week at work, and that may be at at a job, or it might be you know housework and work, personal business that you're taking care of. Or it could be just all the above and more, but we all have work that we do every week. And here's the thing that we need to kind of get at is that in our culture today, work is a four-letter word. I know some of you are thinking, well, yeah, it's got four letters, but you know what I'm saying? It's like a dirty word. Work is considered to be, uh, you know, that's something we don't like, work. And I just want you to understand this, that if you work 40 to 60 hours a week, and by the way, that might, you know, I mean, even if you're retired, you work, I mean, you got responsibilities and you got work to do for the Lord, right? But here's, here's what I want to get at it. You know, this much of your life, 40 to 60 hours a week, you're going to be miserable? no. We want to find joy in our work. That's too big a part of your life to be miserable. Of course, I think if you just spend an hour a week doing it, it's too much of your life to be miserable. But I'm just saying, there's a whole lot of people in our culture that are unhappy a lot of their life because they're just kind of drudging through, just trying to make it through to Friday so they can finally enjoy. Some people, they're just trying, they're living for retirement. One of these days, I'm going to get to retirement. I'm finally going to be able to enjoy. Live for three years. I don't know if that was the right way to say that, but, but I'm just saying it's, it's a sad thing that to have this mentality. And, and here's the thing, even for us that know better, it can creep in on you. And, you know, this is what I find. See, I'm not going to present to you tonight any profound new truth that you've probably never, ever heard before. But there are a lot of things that we know on some level, you know. We know that this is right or that this is wrong. And yet, knowing it in our head and really living it out and having that truth in our heart is two different things. And that's why we we just need the help of the Holy Spirit to really know how to apply... The word of the Lord in our life in this area. But this is startling to me, but about one-third of workers say they hate their jobs. Wow. But you know, it might just be a, a, a temporary job. It might be a stepping stone to something better. But whether you're you know, whether or not you, you're doing something for a year or for a lifetime, it's just horrible to hate your job. And it's, it's really hard to be a good witness for the Lord at work if you're miserable. It's just not really going to shine much if you're miserable at your job. Now, the most common way that people try to find joy in their work is in a new job. I mean, if you're unhappy at work, find something else. And, you know, it's kind of even a, a theme. It's kind of a thing in our culture right now is that, you know, if you're not happy at your job or you're not enjoying it, well, you need to find what your passion is and you need to go with that. Let me tell you something. This, this is what we need to get down to here about that, all right? You need to be where God wants you to be. That's where you'll find the greatest joy, the greatest victory, where you're going to be happy. And so you need to kind of settle this, you know, for you, for you to get to the place where you find joy in your work. As long as you think that, well, I'm just not in the right place, you're not ever going to be happy there. And so let's just settle this right now. You see, if, if you are in rebellion and disobedience to God, well, stop it, Jonah. Get with the program. Like, you know where you're supposed to be and you're, you're in rebellion against God. You refuse to do what God wants you to do. Well, you stop it and you get where God wants you to be. Right. Now, see, that's not the case for most of us. No. We're doing the best we can to be in the will of God, obeying the Lord, and you need to realize that there might be some problems with your work. There might be some issues there. There might be some things you don't like. I'm not allowed to say that about my job, by the way. (laughs) I like all my job. But let me tell you something. You are probably right exactly in the will of God. And what we need is not a new job most of the time. I'm not saying not ever, but I'm telling you that you need to obey the Lord in that. It's not just something, well, I don't like my job, I'm going to find a new one. No, you need, to, you need to feel like God is moving me. God's told me to do this, not because I didn't like this and I didn't like that. But because you believe, you really believe that it's God's will. But otherwise, you need to decide. You know what? God is bigger than my problems at work. And here's the issue is that a lot of the time, what we need is a shift in our attitude or our perspective. You know, just a few weeks back, I shared a message with you about attitude, and it is amazing. What a change attitude can make in your life. And most of the time it's not a new job we need, it's just a change in our attitude. It's, you know, it just we talked to, had a message also about perspective and just a shift in your perspective can change your whole outlook on life. And so tonight, I really believe that the Lord is going to help some of you just to, you know, and, and not maybe you're not one of those people that hate your job or you're miserable, but how much better to, for us just to get to the place where we really have joy in our work. And so I believe that's what this message is about. Uh, sometimes we just need the Holy Spirit to help us to really apply that truth in our heart. And uh, just, you'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit tonight, and I believe He will illuminate something to you that, that is especially something that you need to apply in your life. But, you know, this attitude that's so prevalent in our world, I'm just trying to make it to Friday, I was thinking about that, you know. W- what if the pastor, his attitude was like, If I can just make it to Monday. I mean, on Sunday, it's like, man, if I can just get through today and make it to Monday. No, that's so wrong, isn't it? But you see, we shouldn't have that attitude no matter what our job is. We're not just trying to make it through another day so we can get, you know. Listen, even from prison... The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So should you be happy at work? Well, let's just put it this way. You ought to be rejoicing because that's part of always, right? I mean, you can't say rejoice in the Lord except for that 40 hours a week. No, it's always, always. So this this is for us that no matter what we do for a living, that somehow we ought to be able to rejoice in the Lord. You know, when I think about somebody rejoicing and, and in the midst of their work, I think about Pastor Harold Nichols that pastored this church for 50 years. And that man, he is walking down the church hall, or if he is outside trimming the hedges, or whatever he was doing, he'd be singing a song. Life's sinking, sun is sinking low. A few more days, and I must go. This plane I'm riding. I'm just telling you, it was always something though. He's always singing some song to the Lord while he is working. He, he, you know, he wasn't doing it for anybody else's benefit. It's just between him and God. He's just singing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I see that hand. I see that hand. Y'all knew Brother Nichols. You knew how he was. He just had that joy all the time. Didn't matter what he was doing. Of course, you know, pastoring such an easy job, he never had a headache or worry a care in the world. No, we just got to realize that we should have joy and be rejoicing, even when we're working. Got to learn to enjoy our work, even with the unpleasant parts. And I'm going to tell you, every job has some unpleasant things. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I want to read 22 and 23, and I'm going to read these from the NIV. That Just read a little easier, simpler. It says... What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. Wow, what a downer. He says that all his work, the stress, the pain, the grief, the sleepless nights, it's all meaningless. ever feel like that? To find joy in our work, you see, we got to find meaning in our work. There has to be a higher purpose in our work. Now, if you feel like you do a meaningless, purposeless job, I want to tell you this is a great opportunity for, number one, for you to ask the Lord to help you. And you may not get that understanding tonight, But you need to ask the Lord to help you to see, to understand how there's meaning and purpose in your job. But it is also an opportunity for you to have an attitude change, maybe a change in your perspective. He goes on, verse 24. He says, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work satisfaction. I want to tell you that satisfaction comes when you find meaning and purpose in your work. Satisfaction in his work. Nothing better. He says, this too, I see is from the hand of God. And I want to tell you, you got to have God in this equation. Listen, it comes from the hand of God. You don't find this when you leave God out of the equation. It all comes from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? The man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. You know, in this passage right here, you find these words, satisfaction, enjoyment, happiness, even wealth. Who doesn't want those things? And he says, it's all from the hand of God. So we need to see our work as a way that God can bless us. And he blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. Verse 24, he said, there's nothing better than for us to find satisfaction in our work. You got to find meaning and purpose. Love this old story. Uh, Christopher Wren, who designed St. Paul's Cathedral in London, he wrote about the construction workers that when they were asked what they were doing, there were some who just seemed to be bored and tired. And when they asked them what they were doing, they would say things like, I'm laying bricks. I'm carrying stones. But then there was one man who seemed happy and enthusiastic about his work. They said, what are you doing? This guy is mixing cement, but he doesn't say I'm mixing cement. He says, I'm building a great cathedral. You see, he had a different perspective. He had a purpose. He felt like there was a real meaning here. He wasn't just mixing cement. He's building a great cathedral. Well, they all were. Do you know it's a, it's this way a lot of times in ministry there's so many vital things that happen here in in this church and and even outside these walls through this church body and sometimes you know you might feel like is am I really doing anything when I open this door and greet people oh yes you are you're helping see lives changed and p- those people in there in the nursery they're not just changing diapers they're changing lives Mom and daddy might get saved. Yeah, it's all of this together. But you see, in your workplace, I want to tell you, somehow there's meaning and purpose there. And God can help you see the big picture. We just need to realize, even in the mundane of life, that God has a purpose and we can make a difference in some way. You might feel like your work is unimportant, but I want to tell you, you can always use it to, to help somebody else. You know, I have a few friends over the years that had several that were in the fitness industry and, you know, they, they post things on Facebook about how they're changing lives and, you know, they're sincere. They actually believe that they're making a difference in people's lives by helping them be healthy. This may sound really strange to some people, but um, you know, lawyers, attorneys are kind of looked down upon and hated in our culture, and, and I get that, but I've known several uh, good Christian men who were attorneys, and my dad was one of those, and uh, he, he left being a professor at a, at a college to go to law school and to become an attorney because he felt like it would give him a greater opportunity to help people. He wanted to help people that had been wronged. He wanted to help people get justice. He that was truly was a part of his desire as a as an attorney and as a Christian man. And I just want you to understand that whatever it is that you do, you see, God can use you in that to be a blessing to others. You know, every parent knows they got a higher purpose than just getting a kid to eighteen. I mean, I hope you do right. Every, let me say it, every Christian parent knows you got a higher purpose than just getting a kid to 18. No, you're helping to mold and shape an eternal soul. I mean, every teacher knows. They, they have an opportunity not just to ke- teach kids 2 plus 2, but to teach kids about life and, and to help them, maybe some of them, to know the Lord. But whatever we do, we ought to see it as a way to be a blessing to others, find that sense of purpose, you know, being a blessing. Maybe just being a blessing to your coworkers, being a witness for the Lord. How about just being a bright spot in someone's day? You know, if you hate your work and you're miserable, you're probably that dark spot in somebody's day. Sometimes we just need to decide, you know what? We're going to be joyful and be a blessing to somebody else. And it's amazing how that makes your own day better. It, Yeah. But the Lord will help you find purpose in life and in your job if you really want to. You know, a lot of people found purpose in their work. They're real successful in their business, and they, they believe that God has blessed them so that they can help fund the spreading of the gospel. They found purpose in their work being successful because they believe God is using that to make a difference in the world. But whatever your job is, find purpose. It's not just about bringing home a paycheck. Second, our attitude should be that we are working for the Lord. Colossians 3.23, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Do it with all your heart. Now, when you're doing a menial task, sometimes it may seem like a stretch to do it with all your heart. So I want to tell you the exact situation that the Apostle Paul was writing this to. Colossians chapter 3, in this passage, he's actually talking to slaves, to servants... They were doing the most menial of tasks. They were many times just doing what they were told to do. And Paul tells them, do it with all your heart. You don't do anything half-hearted. If you're going to do it, whatever you do, you do you do it as unto the Lord. You're not just doing it for that boss. You're not just doing it for that client. You're not just doing it for that dollar. You're doing it for the Lord. Now, this is what the word of the Lord says. And see, this is one of those verses that most of us have probably heard before. But are we really applying it in our life? That whatever I do, I'm going to do it with all my heart. I'm going to do it under the Lord. Lord, I'm taking out the trash. How do I do this unto the Lord? Well how about you get a little bit of lift in your step when well, my hip hurts? Well you just go ahead and thank the Lord that you can carry the trash out to the curb. <laughs> whatever you do, you do it heartily. You do it with all your heart because you're doing it unto the Lord. Now, you know, as noble as it may sound as it may sound, when we work, uh, we're not just doing it for our family. I understand that's a good motive, but I just want you to understand that first and foremost, we're doing it for the Lord. First and foremost. Yes, it blesses your family when you bring home the bacon, but you just need to understand that you're always doing it for the Lord. Whoever you work for, and no matter how menial you think your work is, do it for the Lord. Find joy in your work. And part of the way you do that is that every day you know that everything you do is for Him and you do your very best. That one principle will really change your attitude about work if you remember who you're really working for. I mean, if you're in love with Jesus and you think, you know what, I'm doing this for you, Lord. That's what He said. It'll change you. But most people... In our world today, they seem to want to do as little as they can get away with, and man are they miserable. Back years ago, when I was a youth pastor, there was a young man that needed to raise some money for youth camp, and uh, we gave him a job to go out with the hoe and clean out the flower bed, clean the weeds out of the flower bed. And so, I went out to check on him after a little while, and there he was. He's standing there. He had that hole in one hand. Other hand's just hanging at his side. He had that hole, and he'd lift that hole, and he'd drop it, and then he'd pull it. And then he'd lift that hole, and he'd drop it, and he'd pull it. He wasn't doing anything. But here's the worst part. He looked like he was absolutely miserable. That's just an extreme example of the way a lot of people work. They work slow and they act like they hate it and they're miserable. Whatever you do, you do it heartily as unto the Lord. You you put your best into it. See, the truth is, is when you work half-hearted, it just makes it seem slow and difficult. But when we give it our best, time just goes a lot faster when you, when you really right. give it your best. It puts a lightness in your step. And, you know, I remember my first real job. I, I had some, you know, I hauled hay and mowed yards and that kind of thing. But my first real job was I was 15 years old. I started working at Piggly Wiggly, and I was a sacker. And I actually enjoyed being a sacker. It was like a competition to me to see how fast I could bag those groceries and how perfect I could do it, you know. And at this, you know, back then, this is unheard of now and then nobody, nobody has this kind of service anymore. But at this Piggly Wiggly back in 1975, nobody pushed a basket out of that store except for a sack boy. You we weren't allowed to. I mean, I, sometimes it was hard for men shoppers, but I I'd tell them, sir, I can't let you push this basket out. I got to take it out for you. I'll get in trouble. And we took, we, we took every person's groceries out unless they had like one bag they were carrying. And, 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 but here's the thing. I found it so boring and drudgery to walk back. Well, you know, I was 15, 16. I might have a different attitude now. But I'm just saying, I jogged every time pushing that basket all the way back or or ran just as fast as I could to get get to the next one and get busy. And I enjoyed it. Now, again, I'm giving the extreme examples. But I'm just saying, when you work hard and you do your best for the Lord, it's not so hard to find joy in your work. It's, you know, it's when we give it half-hearted effort and we just drag on and drag on. I see these guys nowadays, they, you know, they don't take groceries out, but they go out and they get the carts. And, and I know if this is one of y'all, I know you don't do this. You're, you're hard at it. But I see these guys out there, they just act like they're going to die before they get back to the store with those carts miserable. Henry Giles, 19th century preacher said, men and women must work. That is as certain as the sun. But we may work grudgingly or we can work gratefully. We can work as people or machines. There's no work so rude that we may not exalt it. No work so impassive that we may not breathe a soul into it. No work so dull that we may not enliven it. If we understand that we are doing what we are doing is a service for our Lord Jesus Christ. You're doing it for the Lord. Number three. Remember, He is the one who rewards. Just. Going right on there in Colossians, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Who do you serve? Jesus. And he says that you will receive the reward of the inheritance. I just want you to know that the Lord rewards us. And if we really believe that scripture, it will change our attitude. You know, most people could be happy at work if their pay got doubled or tripled or something. How about if we just realize that God is going to reward us according to what we do? And how about if the Lord rewarded us also according to our attitude? But you know, if we believe that scripture, it'll affect our attitude. Some people think, well my reward is I'm going to get a paycheck. But you know what? That just fails to bring real joy in the long run. There's a lot of people drawing a paycheck and they have no joy. In fact, a lot of the time people have a negative attitude about their job because they feel underappreciated and and undercompensated and, uh, I got to tell you, it was many, many years ago. The church here is really good to me. But many years ago, I had some times uh, where I felt like I wasn't making enough money. You know, I worked for a couple of pastors who had the attitude, you know, we're going to pay you as little as we have to. And I worked for one church board, you know, that had that same mentality, less is best. (laughs) Yeah, you heard about one pastor, he said, Lord... He prayed, he said, Lord, keep me poor and humble. And one of the board members said, Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. (laughs) So I just want you to know, I know how it feels when you feel like you're underpaid and not being compensated properly. But you can't let that sour your attitude about your job because you know that the Lord is the one who rewards and he can make it up. You know, it is the Lord who promotes. It's the Lord who blesses. And he's the one that rewards. Fourth, to find joy in our work, we got to be grateful and not complain. Now, I want to tell you, ministers at ministers' conferences, you know, they get in these huddles, and they complain. Not all the time, but I'm saying it happens. They get together, and they complain. I don't do that. I don't have anything to complain about. I'm a blessed pastor. I'm also one in a thousand. (laughs) Because I'll tell you, a lot of pastors, they got so much trouble and so much going on, and they got a lot to complain about. But here's the thing. If you complain, you're never going to find joy in your work. I mean, you might find snippets here and there, but when you're when you allow that spirit to get on you, it's always going to keep you from really having joy in your work. Complainers just are not happy people. You know, one time years ago, I uh, got to substitute at a junior high for a couple of days, they needed some substitutes real bad. And they, I guess they were at the bottom of the barrel. So they, they had me come and, and, uh, you know, I've been a youth pastor for many years. And so I, I actually enjoyed substituting in junior high. I liked the kids and I enjoyed it and went in the break room and the teachers came in and they all started complaining. I was really surprised. And they said, well, how's it going? I said, good. I said, I can't believe we get paid for this. And I could tell I was not their friend anymore. But you know, it's like that in so many jobs. I'm not picking on teachers. Listen, it's like that in so many workplaces. They go to the break room and they all start complaining, meet at the water cooler, and they're complaining about this, complaining about that. And I'm just telling you, it's a way to, that's a recipe for miserable. Not just at your job, in life. But it is true at your job. We're not supposed to complain. We're supposed to, what's the Bible say? In everything, give thanks. Certainly, that applies to that 40 hours a week. Now, we got to decide that we're going to be grateful. You know, if people, other people are complaining, don't participate. Just decide to find something to be thankful for. First Thessalonians 5.18, I want to give you that whole verse. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You want to know God's will? Well, there it is. It's that you give thanks in everything. I just think an attitude of gratitude goes a long, long ways to enjoy in your work. And we just, you know, sometimes you just need to be thankful for having a job. Let me just put it this way. There are people that don't have a job right now. If you've got one, they would like to have it and they would be thankful to have it. And then there's this issue where some people think, but I deserve better. I want you to know, when we get that attitude, it's like, Lord, you're not doing a good job. I deserve better than this. Oh, no, you don't. See, you need to realize your heavenly Father, He will do you right. And if there's better for you, you're not going to get there by complaining your way to it. No, you're going to get there by appreciating what you have and, and, and having the right attitude about it. Because I'm just telling you, God doesn't bless complaining. Remember the ungrateful attitude of the wicked servant and the parable of the talents, this one man? His Lord gives him a talent. It was a great sum of money. And instead of appreciating the opportunity, instead of being thankful for the opportunity that he had, he did nothing with it. And when his Lord came back, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Sowing or a reaping where you have not sowed. What do you mean? He sowed, he gave you a talent, a great sum of money. But here was the end result of his ungratefulness he did nothing. hmm. He didn't do what he was supposed to do because he was ungrateful. And you know, that's the sad thing that happens with a lot of people in the workplace is when they're ungrateful, they don't give the effort and the work that they should have given. But most of the time... We don't appreciate what we have until we, till it's gone. And so I just encourage you as a child of God, don't be that way. Make up your mind. You're going to appreciate what you have and give God thanks in everything. Give thanks. Amen. Amen. You know, what I've seen a lot of the time is that people are complaining and unhappy about their job. They jump out of the frying pan into the fire. You know, well, somebody makes more than me. There's always going to be somebody that makes more than you. Anytime you get yourself caught in that comparison trap, you'll find yourself complaining instead of being thankful. I've seen that happen a lot in ministry. And, you know, it's a sad thing uh, when it happens with ministers because I will tell you the honest truth, what happens to most of them when they get to that place where they're complaining, most of them end up not in ministry. So we need to always be grateful to God and don't allow this whole attitude of the generation that we live in to get on us. Because God is able to bless us in spite of imperfect situations. Amen? Amen. I mean, when's the last time you were in a perfect situation? No, we're supposed to give thanks in everything. Just be grateful to God. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says, Do all things... I won't tell you that includes your job. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights. See, when we're grateful people in the workplace, we shine. There's so much complaining that goes on all the time. And when you got a smile on your face and you act like you're glad to be there and and you're thankful for your job, I want to tell you that will draw favor from your employer. It'll draw favor from your clients. I mean, it'll just, you know, just brings out the blessings of God. Yeah, it does. Don't get involved in complaining. But also notice here he says... Do all things without complaining and disputing. Don't get involved in strife, but be thankful for your job. And I will tell you, you'll find joy. Fifth, there's only three more, and we're going to go fast. They get really short. Okay, this one's long, but the last two are short, really. Let Jesus be a part of your work. Always leave room for God in your workplace. I'm not talking about being obnoxious with your faith. I'm not talking about being irresponsible and not getting your work done. I'm talking about let the Lord use your work as a platform if He so chooses. You know, I just want to tell you, I didn't have too many years that I worked at a secular job, but when when I worked at the bank after I got saved, I had my Bible there with me. And when we had slow times, I read my Bible. And I won't tell you what the end result of that was. Well, I got in trouble one time, but that was cause that was cause other Christians were mad at me. But that's another story. The point I want to make to you tonight though, is that I didn't have to preach to anybody. I didn't have to, I, I was shy, quiet, introverted type. I didn't have to approach anybody. People would ask me questions all the time about my faith and about the about the Bible. It's amazing. And I realize now y'all carry it on your phone. Well, probably nobody's going to ask you about the Lord because you got your phone with you. But maybe if you had one of these, they might. And by the way, I also tell you this, my wife worked in public school for seven years and uh, our youth pastor, Jonathan, my son, worked in public school for one year. Both of them kept a Bible on their desk all the time. And it's just amazing, you know, in this culture, people act like, oh, no, you're not really supposed to do that. And I know some businessmen, they think, now, wait a minute, you know, got to keep religion. This business is business and church, that's church. But my business, I can't be... You better, you better allow the Lord in your workplace... You, if you want to enjoy your work, I'm just saying, how about letting God be in in the midst of it? Amen. You know, there's a great example in the Scripture. In Luke chapter 5, Peter and company, you know, those fishermen, they fished all night and caught nothing, and now they're cleaning their nets. Now, um, when you fish all night, you know, you got the third shift, you're up all night fishing, and you catch nothing, and your reward is, well, now we get to... Clean all that ook out of the nets. Made no money. Nothing. Worked all night and made nothing. That's, well, that's kind of miserable, isn't it? See, fishing is one of those jobs you just got to love. I don't mean because it's all roses. I mean, if you've been around dead fish very much, you know it's not all roses. But like all jobs, I'm just saying it has its difficulties and, you know, fishing all night, catching nothing. Nothing cleaning nets, all that stuff. Yeah, I know some guys that are fishing guides and uh, seems like a really cool job, right? They get up at four in the morning and they go hunt their own, catch their own bait and then about seven they pick up their lazy customers for the day and they hunt and look for some fish and they find them and then the fun begins. You know, They bait everybody else's hook and take care of them like they're a bunch of five-year-olds, right? And You know, usually they get going so fast and taking care of everybody else that they get finned and they get hooked, hands get cut. I've seen them with blood running down their hands and they don't even think anything about it. They just keep going because it's just part of the job. And then when they get done all all that catching the fish, all that fun, then go back to the dock and they go clean 50 to 100, 100 fish. Isn't that fun? I mean, if you like fish guts, I guess it is. But anyway, but they love it. And they like what they do. That's a little bit different for Simon Peter and these guys. You know, they were fishing with nets, but it still was really hard work and still a really nasty job. But everything changed for them on this day. Luke chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1, it says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing the nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Jesus used Simon's boat as a platform to speak from. You notice Jesus didn't really ask Peter, can I use your boat? Somehow I think the Lord knows where he's welcome. He just got into the boat. Well, we all have a boat. It's where we spend our day, our time. It could be our workplace. might be our car, our house, our ministry. The key is, are we willing to let Jesus use what we have? Sometimes, you know, I think... People get the attitude, well, sure, Jesus is welcome in my boat anytime. Lord, just sit down and be quiet. I got work to do. You know, they don't mind partnering with Jesus, as long as He's a silent partner. <laughs> I want to tell you something the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know what that means? That means that ultimately that was Jesus' boat. He just letting Simon Peter beat a steward of it for a little while, and you know what? That's the way it is in our life. We we just we're just stewards of a little speck of God's great creation, and we need to be willing to let God step into our world at any moment, at any time, if He wants to use it in some way. But see, our our serving the Lord, we, we all know this, it's not just Sunday. It's not a Sunday religion. We all know that. But you see, if we don't allow God into our workplace, well, we really are keeping it as kind of a Sunday thing. It's too big a part of our life to keep the Lord out of it. Besides, we want the blessing of the Lord. You know, I think sometimes people have that, Attitude, oh, well, you know, I'd love to do something for God. But how much do we really allow Him in our lives, in the daily things, you know? Back to Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When He had stopped speaking, He said to Simon, "Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, said, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, and saying, Depart from me, for am I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken, and So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Now, they caught this great catch of fish. If you let Jesus into your workplace. Will he make you rich? Well, he certainly can bless you financially and make you successful, but that's not the message here because you'll notice that Simon Peter doesn't say anything about the fish. He had a great revelation of who Jesus was. It so changed him. He said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I just want you to realize that when you let Jesus in your workplace, it's more than a money thing. And you know, not only about God changing your life, but God working through you and changing somebody else's life. Oh, it's worth so much more than money. What an awesome thing if we just allow Jesus' room in our workplace. You know, even in the worst job and the worst circumstances, we can find the Lord if we look for Him. Would Jesus step into your situation? Think about this. He stepped into Simon Peter's stinking fishing boat. Best day ever fishing. It looked like the worst day. Fished all night, caught nothing. Turned into the best day ever fishing. Carry a Bible. Pray at break time. Some people start Bible studies at work. You willing to talk to somebody about the Lord? Somebody that's going through a difficult time maybe? And you know, if you're a hard worker... And you're grateful. Your boss probably won't mind if you talk about the Lord. And I met a young man today who said that he got fired because he became a Christian. And that happens. But most employers, you work hard, you be the best employee, they're not going to mind that you talk about the Lord. You do a good job, they're not going to mind. But This one goes into number six. got to realize Jesus can change your situation at any time. A lot of people feel like they're trapped in a job. They don't see a way out. Just remember that in one day, Simon Peter went from being a fisherman to being a fisher of men. He said, from now on, you're going to catch men. I just want you to know that God can change your situation. It's not hard for God, you see. How about old Joseph? He went from being a prisoner to being over all of Egypt, from the prison to the palace, and one day it happened, and God can change your situation. Sometimes a job isn't forever. It's just for right now, and you know what you got to do when you're in that job? You be faithful in little. Be grateful. Be a hard worker. Being faithful is what brings promotion. Last, number seven, keep the Sabbath. Oh, we don't believe in that. We don't have to keep that. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 16, 23, Then He said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. In Mark two twenty seven, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. It was made for man. It was made... Listen, we're supposed to have a day of rest. And a lot of people are burnt out and they're just always stressed, always, you know, just running, hamster on a wheel. You need a day of downtime and it's not just for your physical body, especially in this generation, in the time when we live, so much of our work is not actual physical work. Your soul, more than your body, your soul needs a rest. You need time to let your soul just enjoy the Lord and rest to prepare to go back to work and to enjoy your work. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray.